Welcome to Between a Rock and a Hard Place. I'm Hannah. And I'm Colleen. And we're going to tell you about our life in Iraq. It's going to be fun. I hope so. So you've heard the phrase, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness? I have, for sure. There's a similar phrase that comes from the Hadith that uh, in Islam, okay. the Islamic writings, uh, that says cleanliness is half of faith. Half. Half. That's a lot. It's a very important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That explains some experiences I had in northern Iraq, for sure. I mean, we both have experienced how important being clean is there. Yes. Almost, almost to the... So I was never a tidy person. Like, <laughs> as a kid, this was what I was known for, was not cleaning my room. Hmm. And so, in some ways, um, living in Iraq trained that out of me on some level. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I don't think I knew that about Islam, though, that it was, like, that important. But, I mean, it is featured heavily in front of mosques. I mean, every time we used restrooms at mosques, one of the pla- one of the reasons you could use the toilet at a mosque was because they always had running water, and they always had a place where you could wash your hands... They have sinks, and they also have those low sitting areas with the, all the different faucets. Like the little foot baths. The little foot baths. Um, yes. Because they do that ritual washing before they pray or before touching the Quran. I, I guess now that you say that, I can think of like going to my neighbor's houses and it being time for prayer and them like excusing themselves. To, like, go wash their faces and their hands. And I I guess I just didn't know that, like, 50% of faith. <laughs> like, that seems... I, I couldn't make it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, it depends on, I guess, what you think that cleanliness means. Sure. Um, some people talk about it meaning purity, like purity of heart or... Inner you know, cleanliness. Inner cleanliness. Uh, you know, there's a lot of range to the word clean cleanliness or clean clean yeah i mean but the washing itself is the head the hands and the arms up to the elbows okay and the feet and the ankles feet and ankles mm-hmm. all right and you don't actually have to have water really well there's a lot of desert so Clean earth can also be used if no water, clean no clean water earth. is available. So clean earth, like, you go out in your field and dig up some untouched dirt? You know, that's a little vague. I think okay. most of the times I saw it referenced, people talked about using sand. Again, desert. Sure. Sand um, is probably pretty clean. Probably. I like, just can't imagine rubbing sand all over your face. It's a good exfoliant. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> So there's that. But I think definitely for all of my friends, you know, who would step out and wash and pray or, you know, whatever they were going to do, would come back. And I remember, you know, the edges of their hair being wet Mm -hmm. or, you know, just little things like that. I guess that also kind of adds some heft to the insult of, like, you dirty person. I mean, that's one of the primary ways to insult someone, is dirtiness. Yeah. Again, a thing that, like, 
registered with me, but I was always like, so they called you dirty, so what? Like, in the grand (laughs) scheme of things. But they're basically calling you a godless person in some ways. They're attacking your standing with God. Yeah. Yeah, so I think when I experienced that the most was um, taking some students to visit uh, refugee families that were living just, like, in an old abandoned half-built building. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the students coming to me and being like, Miss, you know, our parents told us we shouldn't go because the people there are dirty. And, like, in my American mind, I was like, well, of course they're dirty. Like, they don't have anywhere to live. They don't have water. Like, just because someone can't take a shower doesn't mean that you shouldn't visit them. Um, But realizing that, like, we were going to visit Yazidi people. Mm -hmm. So the dirtiness was not, like, the outward cleanness so much as, like, they were considered, you know, horrible, godless people. Yeah, and in the case of the Yazidi, as we've talked about before, sometimes even considered Satan worshippers. Right. Which is inaccurate, let me just repeat that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was part of the, part of the, one of the cultural things that we had to kind of overcome, Mm -hmm. to be like, help these people, it doesn't matter, and, and we did have a national friend with us who was like, look, it doesn't matter if they're dirty, and she definitely understood the, like, cultural connotations of dirtiness right in a way that i did not and so she definitely counteracted that better than i did because i was like well we'll just wash our hands afterwards (laughs) and everyone else is like no no that's not what we mean (laughs) right although those things are tied very closely sure as the washing and as how people keep their houses clean Mm -hmm. like there's a whole category of your moral standing being tied to the cleanliness of your space. Right. Which, again, having been a very grubby kid, like, <laughs> irked me to no end yeah. in Kurdistan. It was like, who... It's This is a dusty country. Of course the outside of my house is going to be dusty. And because there's no good ceiling in houses, like, the window se- Seals. Seals. Right. Um, that... There is going to be dust inside your house as well. Right. Right. And, like, I guess my mindset was, well, the inside of my house is clean. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Like, I dust inside my house because that's what's going to irritate me. But when you have a sandstorm once a week, who really cares if the outside of your house is dusty? The answer is everyone cares. Because everyone sees that. Right. It sees the outside of your house as a representation of what the inside of your house must also look like. Right. You see all the time, almost always, only women mm-hmm. outside of their houses, spraying off, like, the facade, the front facade of their house, but also, like, the the houses, the, like, patio front walkway, which is almost always all tile. Yeah, people don't really have yards there, so you right. have, like, this tile porch, almost, mm-hmm. and balconies, and, like, where you park your car, and everything is all just tiled and flat. Yeah. And they have these little plastic hoses mm-hmm. that, like, they're really good at, like, the thumb over the end to make, yes. like, high-powered pressure come out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and the squeegees. Yeah, I really love the squeegees, to it's, be honest. They are pretty... There is something deeply satisfying 
about spraying off and squeegeeing clean like your tile and watching the like dusty dirty water just like go, go out down the, the street yeah yeah there it was definitely like I may not be able to control anything in my life, but I can make this tile clean. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. And yet, I don't think we ever managed to do it once or twice a day like the oh, Kurdish women did. Oh, for sure no. I was lucky if I did it twice a week. Yeah, that was even, probably about what we hit. Even rotating through roommates, it would be mm -hmm. like, I don't have the energy to do this. Or we don't have water. right. So in a place where water is scarce and your tank gets, you know, only filled up every so many days, the fact that all of these women will spend vast amounts of their precious water washing down the outsides of their houses. Mm -hmm. And sometimes also the street in front of their house mm -hmm. is a testament to the value that it yeah. holds in their head. Yeah. We had one neighbor lady when I first moved to Kurdistan who I think was probably scolding us for not keeping our house very clean. She only spoke Kurdish and we didn't speak any Kurdish, so I don't really know what she was saying. Um, but, you know, she very kindly did try to come in and help us figure out how to, how to wash our front part mm -hmm. of our house better. And at the time... We did eventually get this fixed, but at the time, our water pump had, like, the hose spigot for the outside kind of attached to it, mm -hmm. but the water pump electrical was also grounded to the metal yeah. hose dispenser uh -huh. thing. So if you turn the water pump on, that thing then became electrified. Right. But you have to have the water pump on to have the hose work Right. Yeah, so you have to turn the faucet on first, mm -hmm. then turn on the pump right. for the water to come out and not get electrocuted. In that house specifically. Right. So she came over, and we knew this already. She came over and turned the pump on, because she was going to show us how to do it better. And then reached to turn on the water, and both of us went, no, 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 no! And she touched it and, like, got shocked, basically, by it. And she, like, gave both of us death glares and then walked out and didn't come back. Oh, and, like, no. it took a long time until she spoke to us again. But I was like, I don't... I'm, I'm really sorry. I didn't know what you wanted. And, like, I didn't know how to make it up to her. Um, but I think she just resigned herself to the fact that we were filthy and she would wash the front of our street oh. as well as her own. Okay. So I'm not sure if it was like, ugh, these girls are just gross, or if she was like, no, they have electric water. They can't do <laughs> they this. Can't do this. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure which one happened. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think we certainly did not measure up to the standards of cleanliness there. Oh, for sure. Um, I can only think of really one time where I, we both actually measured up to the standards of Kurdish cleanliness, and that was here in the United States. Yes. When we had a whole bunch of different refugee women over and we, we received the comment that we would make good Kurdish women. Yes. Because our house was so clean. It really was a, a banner day in my life to have multiple Kurdish women be like, you'll be a good wife. <laughs> so clean your house. And I mean, we spent two or three days cleaning. <laughs> 
Yep, that's, every year. That's become our, our yearly big clean in our house is when we host that that get-together of women. It's like, oh, we gotta, like... And our roommate this year, we were like, look, just don't touch anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you can come in, you can eat in the kitchen, but, like, clean up. Like, like no right plums. away. <laughs> we wash down the baseboards and the walls and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only way you can actually attain to Kurdish level cleanliness. It's true. In our experience, at least. It's true. It's true. Hey, just to interrupt, if you really want to help us out, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, even if you don't use Apple Podcasts. The reviews there really help us get found by other people. So if you could do that for us, that would be great. Thanks. But the the cleanliness does extend outside the home even a little further than the street. Although, I don't know, cars? Cars are also kind of inside their personal space. Yes. So. But the providence of men. Yes. So... I had a teammate who the husband really liked to watch, wash the hausha. Like, he, it was fun for him. Mm-hmm. And his neighbors would make fun of him for it all the time. And he'd be <laughs> like, will you wash your car? And they'd be like, well, of course. Yeah. I'm the man. Of course I wash the car. The woman washes the hausha. The man washes the car. Yes. And every Kurdish person's car, including taxis mm-hmm. that I have been in, have been just like spotless to the point where taxis wrap their seats in plastic in plastic to keep them to clean. keep them clean yeah yeah it's it's amazing like i would be appalled i feel like i keep my car pretty clean cuz i'm the only person that's ever in it mm-hmm. but i feel like my kurdish friends would be appalled at yeah. like i haven't taken my car and washed it in a long time yeah i mean it it rains hear more that's what i tell myself uh-huh yes. and it doesn't mud rain here like it does in iraq so. that's true but their cars are like shiny shiny always like the men get up every morning and wash their car which again with the water issues is always just a little mind-boggling to me that like right this this is what you're using your water for right where in the u.s it's like conserve you gotta conserve your water and we have an abundance of water. Well, but we do things like take really long showers That's and Brush water our grass. With the sink going. Oh, yeah, watering the grass. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, the watering of the grass is the equally ridiculous That's thing. That's true. The American equivalent of cleaning your house. Strangely, a man's providence instead of a woman's providence. This is true. Gendered roles. They're such, they're such so, a mystery. They're so strange. So strange. Uh, <laughs> but going further into the realm of the more public sure be the classroom where we spent a lot of time yes and cleaning and cleanliness suddenly has a whole different set of rules right right it's like you get 10 feet outside of your house and your responsibility for picking up trash or keeping things tidy goes rapidly down right to pretty much zero. To pretty much zero, yeah. And it would it was really frustrating as a teacher to be like, hey, we just got new desks. Don't write on them. Or, you came into this classroom this morning, and it was clean and tidy. Don't just crumple up your 
scratch paper and throw it on the floor. Right. There's a trash can. Put it in the trash can. But miss, why? Yeah. Ugh. Right. Because again, as Americans, we're taught, like, you keep the space that you are in clean. Mm -hmm. Tidy, at least. Tidy, at least. Yeah. So much so that I don't even remember learning that in school. Right. Like, I I don't feel like we had a, hey, you have to keep your space clean lesson. It was just like, everyone does it. It is known. Yeah. It's so deeply ingrained in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas everybody doesn't necessarily keep their bedrooms clean right. in America. Right. But, yeah. Right. Or when was the last time you washed the windows on the outside of your house? Mm. Yeah. Never is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have once, I think, yeah, in the yeah. five years that we've lived in our house. But, yeah, definitely the classroom was a place where we had to work and I mean I remember every other American teacher coming in and just being like I don't understand how you can mindlessly trash your classroom Mm -hmm. um that included things I guess like you had mentioned something about leaving bread yeah so it was one of the things that I felt like I had to fight against all the time was kids would eat their you know their sandwiches and they would have these bits of bread left over And they would put them, like, up on the windowsills of the classroom. And I was always like, like, paper on the floor annoyed me, but not enough for me to be like, but food left to, like, rot on the windowsills, like, things that your mouth have been on (laughs) that are then left where other people see them, that just is gross to me. And so I would be like, guys, you got to throw your sandwich scraps away. You can't just leave them out. And they would never do it. And it took me, uh, it, it used to make me crazy. And one of my sixth graders finally was like, but miss, we leave them for the man that comes. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they were like, the man, the man comes and he picks them up and he puts them in a bag and he takes them home to his chickens. And I was like, oh, this, like, there is a purpose and for them being put up in the windowsills and not, like, left on the floor. Rules about how you're not supposed to throw away bread. Right. You know, you're supposed to feed it to the birds or leave it out for the animals. Right. Yeah, because I then noticed that it was not uncommon to walk down the street and see bits of bread in the street. Right. For the birds or the chickens or whatever. Yeah. And it just kind of became this, like, okay, well, at least it's, like, biodegradable, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, like, the chip bags that also get thrown on the street. Right. Chip bags. Man, did I come to hate chip bags. Chip bags and plastic bags. (sighs) Dave used to tell us stories about how, like, try to convince people that in Kurdistan, plastic bags actually grew on trees. (laughs) Because it looks like it sometimes. It looks like it. Yeah. Again, this is like, you're going even farther out. Like, in a classroom, you have a little bit of ownership of the space. Mm -hmm. And there is the expectation that it will get cleaned up because of the badgies, the cleaning ladies. Right. Who are kind of often considered, I don't know, lower class citizens in Mm -hmm. some ways. I loved the badgies at our school. Uh, And I think they actually have a cleaning service now. Mm -hmm. Um, But... You know, there is the expectation that, you know, whatever I throw here will eventually get picked up. Right. Someone's going to come and clean it up. 
you go further out, like you said, and no one's gonna clean that up. Right. I mean, the street sweepers, they had hired uh, street sweepers from Bangladesh for a while mm-hmm. in my city. Right. Um, for, like, the big public roads where people right. don't live. Right. That whole human trafficking trafficking adventure got right. shut down. Yeah. But, yeah, the other more public spaces... Right. It's just a free-for-all. Because, and we've talked about this before, that uh, Kurdish people love to go on picnics out mm-hmm. in the countryside. And they take all their food with them, and they take plastic tablecloths and plastic plates and forks and knives and bottles of water and Coke cans and all of that stuff. But that trash is then considered dirty, mm-hmm. and they don't want to put it into their, into clean, their cars. clean cars. And so they just leave it. Yeah. Like, especially in in March, when it's like prime picnic season, you drive out into the countryside, and it's just like, this is, this would be beautiful, but there is so much trash mm-hmm. just left there. And the streams and the, like, the water places that are in the really popular picnic areas, like, just it's just filled with trash. Clogged with trash. And there has been, in the last five or six years, a big public push of, hey, if you're going out and you're picnicking, at least collect your trash into plastic bags and tie them closed and leave them there. And the city will send people out to pick up the plastic bags full of trash. Oh, really? I hadn't yeah. realized that. Erbil started uh, a big push for that. And they they were like, hey, if you just collect them and leave them by the road, we'll come and pick up the trash during narrow season right. specifically. Right. I mean, I remember we would take out our classes of students and we would bring extra trash bags mm-hmm. and we would start the picnic by picking up trash, mm-hmm. um, in part because glass also gets broken and yes. it's just not safe for yeah. the kids to be running around and playing with broken glass. But yeah, we'd start with everyone picking up gl- up trash, mm-hmm. and we would end by making everyone pick up trash. Yep. And they would complain and fuss, and sometimes we even had parents complain that like, "Why are you making my kid pick up trash?" And we're like, "I'm sorry." This is what you're signing up for at an American school. This is the way Americans do it. That was always our, like, no, this is the American way. Yep. Yep. We clean up after ourselves, and we also clean up after everyone else if if that's necessary. Right. Right. Because we do, we have that mindset of you leave something better than you found it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know. At least in the case of nature. Right. In the, the old hiking adage of take only pictures, leave only footprints. Right. Um, again, something that was so ingrained in me that, like, it hurts to not stop and pick up the trash. Because yeah. it's like, oh, just, I gotta. <laughs> and our students, our students eventually got on board with it. Uh, it really helped to bring rubber gloves for them to wear. Uh-huh. So they didn't feel like they were getting dirty. Right. And I think one year we actually did, like, a contest for which class could pick up the most trash. Nice. Um, and we had kids, like, digging trash, like, out of the ground to bring it to us. <laughs> which, I mean, after years and years and years, like, it's it's deep 
it's in the mud. It's right. part of the soil now. Yeah. Uh, I even saw some of my my high school students eventually like start trash cleanup campaigns to yeah. some extent. I've seen some of our, our my students as well mm-hmm. be a part of some of these, you know, clean up this river bank or clean up the side of this lake or, you know, specific right. areas. Like, we're going to take a day and instead of going on a picnic, we're going to clean up trash. And right. I'm which so proud of them. Which really is the way that that happened in the U.S. too. Like, you know, 70 years ago, people were just throwing trash out their windows on the highway. And then there was kind of this movement of like, hey, we want to keep America beautiful you have to do it. Like, right. you, the people, have to be involved in it. And I think Kurds are, are starting to, to pick up on that a little bit. There's still no recycling in Kurdistan that I know. In the sense of, like, put all your plastic bottles in this thing and someone oh. will go and recycle it. Yeah, no. Um, I remember trying to do an art project with re reusing, like, empty cereal boxes. Mm-hmm. And my students just being like, this is garbage. <laughs> Why do you want us to do art with garbage? Why can't we have new things? Raw materials. Raw materials are (laughs) things. Right, right. It's like, a Pringles can makes an excellent castle turret. Come on. (laughs) You don't have to start from scratch. They already built it for you. And they were just, like, they couldn't get over it. Mm -hmm. But I think that mindset is changing. Yeah. Um, And it's one of the cool and encouraging things that, like, that idea of personal cleanliness is extending out into, hey, we want our country to be clean and beautiful, too. Yeah. Um, So that's been really cool to see for the last few years. Um, But definitely, like, as you encounter people from different cultures, keep that in mind. Like, cleanliness standards are different, and it's not better or worse. Uh, It's just different sometimes. Like, my neighbors were appalled that I didn't clean the outside of my house every day, and I was appalled by the trash that they left on picnics. So neither of us were morally superior in the other one's eyes. But So if you're out in the next week, pick up some trash? Pick up some trash, whether it be in your neighborhood or out in the wide world. Pick up some trash. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram, and you should check out our blog and complete transcripts over at servantgroup.org. And it's really helpful for us if you share our podcast or leave a review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. It helps us know that people are listening, and you can let us know what you want to hear next. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening!